Today we'll be reading from Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 says, To the choir master, Amasco of David, when Doeg the Edomite came to Saul, David has come to the house of Amalek. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, and lying more than speaking what is right. Selah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from, his, from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Selah. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. This psalm was written by David after his affair with Bathsheba. David admitted to being a sinner. He asked for God's mercy, and then he repented and asked for forgiveness. We're taught to follow the commandments and not to sin, but if we do sin, we need to follow David's example in this psalm. We're going to sing some songs together in praise and worship, but before we do, let's recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Savior, 
to keep singing that one.
My strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and forevermore, bless the Victor 
Good morning, everyone. Uh, reading from Matthew 26. At the Last Supper, the scripture says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day, and thank you for the promise you made to us through this covenant, which we'll always remember. Amen.
how's everybody this glorious Sunday? Good. Nice to see smiling faces out there. Okay, I was asked to do announcements today. So first off, we've got uh, Matthew 25 ministry. Any of those pill bottles or over-the-counter bottles that you get your medicine in, they could sure use them over there. They use them to put things in, to ship them off to... Uh, not only here in the United States, but throughout the world. So it's a, it's a great mission, and we could really use it. Ink cartridges, um, they save us about $20 a month or can on office supplies. So uh, recycle those. It's good for the environment, and it's good for us. So recycle. Clothes pantry, okay. We do it every Thursday from 5 to 7. Um, we do have a need for some strong people. Um, guys or girls on Thursdays to help carry up the packages up those steps. Um, those boxes of food, believe it or not, can get heavy, and a lot of the people that we're serving are um, a little weaker than me, and that's pretty weak. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you can if you can help and don't mind doing steps and, and carrying boxes out to people's car of food and clothes, it would be awesome. We'd love to see you come. Okay, next we have refit every Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30. Whoop, whoop, that's right. <laughs> Let's hear a whoop, whoop from everybody. Whoop, whoop. It's fun. If you come in during the exercises, Kristen will have you going, whoo, or whoop, whoop, you know, and, and all this. It's, it's fun. The main thing is not that you are fit, but it's to keep you moving. And if you don't move, you lose it. So come on out and join us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Empty nesters, um, beginning March 2nd, coming up real soon, we are going to start meeting again for um, the women's group. And it's at Ruth Wyming's house, and Sharon's in contact, or in, is the contact person for that. So see Sharon if you'd like to come. It's, it's fun. Okay, breakfast is always better together, that's right, and uh, we have breakfast the first Sunday at 9.30 every month, so look out for March, is coming up soon. Youth Perfect North Snow Tubing, boy, I wish I was young. <laughs> that looks like so much fun. Um, Saturday, March 4th from 10.30, 12.30, the cost is $25, so... Um, Kids, if you can't go and you really want to go and you don't have the money, let us know. We'll do something to get you there, okay? Um, anyway, uh, Heartland event calendars are available out on the table back there, so grab one of those. Okay, four ways to give. We've got the box in the back. We've got online, via text, and in the Faithline app. So give, give, give. Okay, now it's time for our 10-minute meet and greet. Make sure that you get up and smile at somebody and say hi and say, I love you, and praise Jesus. Hey, there's a lot of new faces here, so uh, my name's Josh Campbell. I'm a deacon here. I'm filling in for Derek this week. If you were here last time I spoke, we talked about the importance of prayer and the different types of prayer. Today we're going to be going old school, and we'll be reading from the Old Testament. I'm starting a three-part series on the book of Zephaniah. It's one of the neatest books in the Old Testament. It has three chapters, so hence the three-part series. Zephaniah is located 
between the books of Habakkuk and Haggai. If you reach Zechariah, you've gone too far. We're going to be reading from Zephaniah chapter 1 through verse, or chapter 2, verse 3. Turn in your Bibles to that passage. And once you get there, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And I will tell you it's 22 verses, so if you get tired in the middle of standing, you're welcome to sit back down. The title of today's teaching is The Call to Repent. In Zephaniah 1, chapter 1 through 2, 3, the scriptures say, The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and fish of the sea and the rubble of the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against the, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests. Those who bow down on the roofs to the hosts of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom. Those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of Him. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated His guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons, all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out, or out silver are cut off. At that time, I will reach Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor he will do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink from them. The great day of the Lord is near, and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind, so that they shall walk like the blind, because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For, for a full sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Gather together, yes, gather, O shameless nation. Before the decree takes effect, before the day passes away like chaff, before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord, before there comes upon you 
the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. You may be seated. I know it's a lot, and thank you for indulging me on that. Before we dive into Zephaniah, I wanted to give you a little background on him. Though not much is known about him, we do know that he's the only prophet to trace his lineage back four generations. We see this in Zephaniah 1.1, when he says, The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Zephaniah is the ninth of twelve books in a section called the Minor Prophets. They're minor because of how small the books are, not minor in detail. There were 70 years of silence before Zephaniah started to prophesy. There were 70 years of silence before a lot of the prophets would start their work. Zephaniah, or Zephaniah in Hebrew, means hidden by God. It's believed that Zephaniah was hidden by his mom during, the child, during his childhood as men with royal blood were being, were being killed during this time. So today we'll be talking about this little-known prophet with a big message named Zephaniah. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Open our eyes and ears to your words. Prepare our hearts for your message from this prophet. Be with us as we dive into your words and speak to us and show us your will. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Helen Keller once said, Science may have found a cure for most evils, but it has found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of human beings. Is she right? Is apathy of human beings the worst evil? Short answer is yes. Each of the twelve minor prophets have a theme to their writing. In Hosea, the theme is God's steadfast love for Israel. In Joel, it's divine judgment against evil. Amos, social evils. Obadiah, judgment of Edom. Jonah, God's care for the world. Micah, divine judgment against the world. Nahum, destruction of Nineveh. Habakkuk, understanding of God's character and his grace. Haggai and Zechariah deal with uh, the rebuilding of God's temple. Malachi is repentance and rebuke. Then last but not least, Zephaniah is judgment and repentance. All the warnings given in the prophets in one way or another can be traced back to a lack of caring for God and his teachings. The sermon was not an easy one to write, but the message is one that God wanted me to preach, and it's something that needs to be heard. Each message of the prophets needs to be heard, read, and understood, because the warnings that are laid out in each book are just as important today as they were when the prophets preached them. The prophets' messages serve as a reminder of what can happen when Christians, the church, countries, and even the world turns their back on God. The Old Testament is full of story after story of God's people turning their back on God and His Word. Good leaders would rise up, men of God, ones such as Moses, David, and Hezekiah. They'd keep the commands of God and tell their followers to do the same, the people would follow for a while and then fall away and worship other gods. 
Other leaders would lead people astray like Rehoboam, who led his people to worship false idols and statues. 1 Kings 14, 22-31 says, And Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed more than all that their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places and pillars and ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land. They did according to the abominations of the nations that the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. In the fifth year of the king of Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away the shields of gold that Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made in their place shields of bronze and committed them to the hands of the officers of the guard who kept the door at the king's house. And as often as the king went into the house of the Lord, the guard carried them and brought them back to the guard room. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His mother's name was Namah the Ammonite, and Abijam his son reigned in his place. Rehoboam led his people astray, and God punished them. The Egyptian king Shishak went to war against Jerusalem and Rehoboam, as it's shown in 1 Kings 14.25. In the fifth year, in the king of Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came out of Jerusalem, or came up against Jerusalem. Once their cities were plundered and wars were fought, we found out what happened to Rehoboam in 1 Kings 14.31. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Rehoboam was killed and his son Abijam took his place on the throne. You would have thought Abijam and his people would have learned and turned back to God, but they didn't. 1 Kings 15.1 says, Now in the 18th year of the king Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam began to reign over Judah. And down to verse 3, it says, He walked in all the sins that his father did before him, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. Abijam was just like his dad, and his heart was against God. He led his people to turn their backs against God, and they paid for it as well, as we see in 1 Kings fifteen seven through 8 The rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the books of Chronicles of Judah? And are there and there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam, and Abijam slept with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David, and Asa his son reigned in his place. Abijam and his people turned from God, and they too were destroyed. You would have thought they would have learned, but they didn't. Generations of God's people have turned their back on him, and they were punished for their sins. Their people were destroyed and they were sold into slavery over and over and over again. God used the prophets to remind people what happened to those who came before and gave warnings what would happen if they didn't turn from their sins. In the book of Joel, 
God tells his people to turn, his, turn back to him. Joel 2, 12-31 says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. God told his people to come back and turn their hearts to him. In Habakkuk 2, 18-19, we are told not to trust in false idols. What prophet is an idol when, it makes, when its maker has shaped a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker in his own creation when he makes uh, speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. Habakkuk tells us these wooden idols the people worshipped were dead and had no breath, while the one true God is living. In the book of Amos, God gives his people more warnings as well. Amos 8.10 says, I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. God warns those that disobey his commandment that he would turn their joy into mourning and he would make them bald. So if you're bald, you might want to talk to God. <laughs> In Zephaniah 1, 2 through 6, we are told... Um, Zephaniah 1, 2 through 6, we are told that God will wipe the earth clean of everything. Zephaniah says, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal in the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests. Those who bow down on the roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom. Now when it talks about Milcom, Milcom was the uh, false gods that they worshipped during that time. Those who turn back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. God says that he'll sweep away everything on the face of the earth, man and beast, the fish, birds, and mankind. He cut off the idolatrous priests and the false gods they worshipped. Just to make it sink in, he went further and went after the leaders of the people as well. Zephaniah 1, 8-9 says, and on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. God said he'd punish the officials and the king's sons that worship foreign gods and those who engage in violence and fraud. In Zephaniah 1, 12 through 13, God issues a stern warning against the apathetic. Zephaniah 1, 
12-13 says, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those in their hearts, the Lord will not those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they built houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink from them. God said he'd punish those who are complacent, those who refuse to choose good or evil. As we saw in the opening quote, Helen Keller called, the apathy, called apathy the worst evil. God hates apathy so much he also gave us a warning against it in the, Old, in the New Testament as well. Revelation three fifteen through 16 says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Ouch. God wants us to not be hot or cold. He wants us to choose a side. He said that, he said that um, those who refuse to choose will be spit out of his mouth. God would rather us choose evil than to be complacent and not care. Yet, there are those who won't choose a side. People who say that they don't know which God is right, so they're not going to believe any of them. Or they've not seen a Christian, so they don't, they're not going to believe. It's better that they choose than to be a fence rider. You're... Either in or out, there can't be a middle. Just to make sure that people understood that they needed to follow God and turn from evil, Zephaniah issues one more warning in one, Zephaniah 1, 17-18. I will be, bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. If you neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full sudden end. He will make all the inhabitants of the earth. And if you haven't picked up on it, God's warning everybody, not just certain groups of people, not just leaders or the saints. or every, He's warning everybody that we need to follow him. God warns that he'll bring distress on mankind for all their sins. He warns if people don't turn away from the evil ways that the earth will be consumed. With all these warnings from the prophets, you think the people would have learned, but they didn't. Josiah listened to Zephaniah, ultimately, and he led the people back to God. Or at least he tried, but it was too late. But even he made a mistake, and he went with, to war with the Egyptians. The Egyptians were crossing through his country, and he wasn't happy about it, so he provoked them to war. After Zephaniah, God sent three more prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, to issue warnings to his people, and yet they still didn't listen. Ultimately, the Assyrians carried the Israelites in exile. After Malachi, we know the Old Testament ends and then starts in the book of Matthew. There were 400 years of silence from the prophets. Then came the birth of Jesus Christ. But just because there's no prophetical writings in those 400 years doesn't mean things weren't happening. Alexander eventually defeated the Persians, and then the Greeks invaded Palestine. The Romans also came to power, 
and allowed the people to control the lands that they had invaded and were already in control of. Meaning that Herod, who is a Greek, was allowed to rule Palestine. And we all know that Herod was in charge when Jesus was born. Then came John the baptizer and Jesus. Both John and Jesus and later the disciples spread the good news to people, calling on them to repent and put their faith in the Lord. you think we would have listened, but we haven't. Take a look at the world around us. Things keep getting worse. People are consumed with themselves. They've turned their back on the warnings of Jesus and his disciples. We are told in 1 John 2, 12-17, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes of the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We're told not to love the world, but if you take a look at the world around us today, you think we've lost our ever-loving minds. Our gods have become sports stars, movie stars, or politicians, all of which have perverted the word of God, We've lost sight of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Christian author and teacher David Paulson says, Idolatry always leads to immorality. In California right now, a teacher is fighting to get her job back after being fired for refusing to use the pronouns that students prefer instead of referring to them by their biological sex. We're being forced to accept alternative lifestyles while ours are being forced, while we're being forced to abandon ours. Homosexual marriage is running rampant. Murder, rape, and riots are in the news every day. We've turned our back on God, and we've ignored the teachings of the prophets, Christ, and his disciples. Now, we worry about who's in the White House. We judge people based on who they vote for in the last election. We treat those who don't agree with us as evil and spit hatred and vile things against them. We watch things on TV that God hates, tell jokes that are crude and live for the world Monday through Saturday, and then we praise him on Sunday. We don't spend time in prayer and fasting and reading the word, yet we expect God to move in our lives. He won't move in, the, in us until we move to him. Over time, the body of Christ has turned its back on the Great Commission and has mirrored the, itself with the world. Author David Berceau says, <clears throat> No one can serve two masters, declared Jesus to his disciples. However, Christians have spent the greater portion of the past two millenniums apparently trying to prove Jesus wrong. We've told ourselves that we can indeed have both the things of God and the things of this world. Many of us live our lives no differently than do conservative non-Christians, except for the fact that we attend church regularly. We watch the same entertainment, we share the same concerns about the problems of the world, and we are frequently just involved in the world's commercial and materialistic pursuits. Often, our being not of this world exists in theory more than in practice. The church has started playing dangerous games with the Word of God, the Methodist Church has started to allow homosexuals to preach 
and accept roles as deacons and elders. Churches have started loud drag shows in the house of God. Pastors are facing accusations of sexual abuse in various affairs. And it's not just one denomination either. We give Catholics a hard time about their crimes, but the Southern Baptist Convention has recently investigated many of these crimes within their own church. We can't live for God and the world. We must choose. I've heard people say that the Old Testament prophets don't matter. Don't matter. Well, that's just flat out wrong. People, Peter went so far as to confirm that the prophets' words do matter and are from God and not their own interpretation. Second Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, Knowing first of all that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but spoke from God as they carried along by the Holy Spirit. So even though we have warnings from the prophets and from Christ, we've not listened. You thought we would have learned, but we haven't. The warnings that the prophets issued were directed to individuals as well as all nations. The warnings of destruction still apply to us today, and if we don't repent, we'll face God's judgment. America will face the wrath of God if we don't turn from our unrighteousness. When we sin, we face God's punishment here on earth, so we don't have to face it in eternity. This is why the Christian life is so hard here on earth. If anyone tells you the Christian life is easy, they're either not living a Christian life, or they're a liar. God punishes us here on earth now, so he doesn't have to punish us when we face him on, the, on judgment day. It's better to be disciplined here and live a life that is hard and endure until the end than to be condemned to hell for eternity. We see this in Proverbs three eleven through 12. Son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord or grow weak when reproved by him. For the Lord reproves whom he loves. He punishes any son he receives. Paul says the same thing in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 7-11 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's better that we are disciplined here on earth than to endure the internal punishment that waits for us in the day of the Lord if we don't repent. After all, as David Pawson says, the world belongs to God and he wants it back. As Christians, we need to speak out against the evils that people engage in. We must rely on God's message to, do the, to reach the lost and dying world. So what can we do? Zephaniah tells us in Zephaniah 2, 1-3. through 3, 
Gather together and unite, O uneducated nation. Before you become like a flower that withers, before the Lord's anger comes upon you, before the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you low ones of the land. Perform judgment and seek righteousness. And answer the things in order that you may be covered on the day of the Lord's anger. If you are a Christian living in sin, then you need to confess your sins to one another. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person as it, uh, has great power as it is working. We need to live out the Ten Commandments and the commandments of Christ. We need to live out Matthew 22, 37-40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. We need to live out 1 John 2, 9-11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. If we have hate towards our fellow man, we need to get rid of it. Come out of the darkness and into the light so that we may live in eternity with Christ. The prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 6.16, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said we will not walk in it. We need to keep the ancient paths that our ancestors have walked. We need to walk the narrow road, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 13-14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the, wide, for the, gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. If you are not a Christian, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6 2, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. We need to repent of our sins and be baptized into the faith of Jesus Christ. In closing, I want to leave you with a quote from a Robert Frost poem entitled, The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and it made all the difference. Make a difference in your life, and travel the narrow road, the road less taken. Hate the things of the world, be holy like Christ. If you're living in sin, repent and turn from evil. Follow the ancient path of our ancestors, Heed the warning of the prophets. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us all here today. Thank you for your words and for being faithful and just to forgive us. Thank you for the words of your prophets. Help us always to heed their warnings and seek you first in everything. 
Help us to be shining lights of the world so that some might be saved. Not that we would receive all the glory, but that you would. Protect us as we travel home today and throughout the week. And as always, thank you for being the author of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are not a follower of Christ, as I said earlier, today's the day of salvation. If you'd like to know more about Christ or to accept, accept him as your Lord and Savior, or if you're wanting to confess your sins and speak, seek spiritual healing, we'll have people up here to pray with you. If you need prayer for healing or anything else, they'll be up here for that as well. Before you go, let me speak the blessing of God over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.